0: We have a lot to celebrate, folks. The uh, the curse is over. The curse is dead. The A's <sighs> have won their first playoff series in nine attempts. Uh, or no, sorry, since 2006 um, with the uh, win over the Twins back in 2006. And the first uh, series-deciding game win since 1973. We were 0-9 at that point, and now... We are 1 and 9, so that's good. The curse is over, Julio. There's a lot to celebrate. What an amazing game, too. What a f- exciting, very stressful <laughs> game to
1: watch. That was not fun, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> it was even like like even when they had a lead and like we know how good the pen has been, I was still not having a good time.
0: <laughs> it was so stressful. I mean, like when when they were up 1-0, I was texting you, I'm like, dude, this is fuck, this is driving me crazy. Yeah. I can't believe it. And then they are up 3-0. I'm just like, oh, my God, now it's getting nerve-wracking. Irra- I know it's only three innings. It's early, but this is what happened game one. I think just the repeat of, like, the game one, like, style um, in that last game, you think, like, oh, my God, they're going to co- totally collapse. They're going to feel the stress like they have been the past three playoff runs, and they're just not going to be able to deliver. And then Sean Murphy comes up to bat and just the loudest crack of the bat I've ever heard. I mean, obviously not, like, Actually, loudest crack, but in my mind, it felt like the loudest crack of the bat I've ever heard in my life. Just, it probably be, just felt getting those uh, louder,
1: cause there's no crowd, no pe- nobody in the crowd besides the families the and the box suites.
0: I think just cause of the uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for?
1: The like just the moment.
0: Yeah, the moment in general. So in my mind, it just felt like it was just such a big hit. Just be and and hit for a rookie <laughs> to step up like that was just fucking amazing.
1: It's It was pretty exhilarating, but you're right. Like Game Theory had all the kind of same stuff that we saw, the same game script in game one, whereas the White Sox were getting to our starters pretty quick. They were getting they were hitting bombs. Fucking Luis Roberts, that is like the furthest home run hit I've seen in Oakland since like maybe the Cespedes day, but holy crap. Um, But this, this is something that is pretty special about this team is they led the MLB and walk-offs. Uh, they led the MLB and in extra inning wins. They're resilient as shit. And it really showed yesterday. It really showed, like, this is a pretty special team we have here. Really wish Chapman could be there, from what it sounds like. He was going crazy and like, the team group text on there. Mm-hmm. So it, it was awesome. I think I've probably lost a couple years off my life um, <sighs> over these last three days. I didn't sit down yesterday. And I got to the point, so there was a point where, uh, because we're all extremely superstitious, I was originally, I was standing behind the couch and shit wasn't happening. So I went to the kitchen, I was starting to make some lunch, and that's when the rally started. And I'm like, all right, I can't really move around this area anymore. (laughs) So for like inning four through the rest of the game. I was standing around the kitchen area. I started washing dishes. I was just just anything like, all right, this is working over here.
0: (laughs) Well, I think the biggest thing for me is like in the past, these young teams just haven't like, the pressure's gotten to them. And Sean Murphy was like, I don't know if it's just ignorance because he's so young. Like, I think it's like the opposite. Like he just, he didn't sweat it. He didn't fret it at all. And he just came up to bat and he took it pretty deep count, which was pretty good. And then he just fucking cracked it. And then, you know, it, it, there did show good signs. I think it was the second second inning they had like runners on first and third, and then it was just like two strikeouts in a row by like Canna and Olson or a flyout, two flyouts in a row, and you're just like, "Fuck, this is cannot be happening again. We can't strand runners again." But in the, I think it was the fourth inning when they walked in the two runs, like this is like this shows that this team is now mature and they can handle these big moments. And and they the patience the patience of these guys um, uh, going up to the plate in in a winner go home game and when you're down like it was it was fantastic to watch Mark Canna walked in a run and then who was it, it was uh, Olson walked in a run Ma, yeah Matt Olson walked in a run uh, obviously the big Chad Pinder hit that we all um, know about that tied up the game that was amazing for him to come off the bench um, and just get that huge hit for them. Um, it was just, and then obviously, this. I think the story of this game is the bullpen and how, how the two managers managed the bullpen and how just how good ours was was really the ending factor of how of what won us the game because, you know, to hold a two run lead for four innings is not an easy thing to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a bullpen game for sure, but but uh, I just want to give credit to the young now mature hitters that uh that that put runs on the board when they needed them
1: so there was something i texted you yesterday but i think as the game started or before the game i'm like there's a point i want to make if the a's pull this off and they did so now that i were here as soon as i realized that this was going to be a bullpen game i'm like the a's are gonna win yeah, because not not because yeah. Obviously, we know how great the A's bullpen and the White Sox have a really good bullpen as well. I think they're like I think they said during the broadcast they're like third or fourth in the American League. Belmel out coached the shit out of uh Renteria ad, or at Renteria. like that. And early this week, I was ready for like for him calling for his head. We I've been a big supporter of his, but just this week in between. The last couple of weeks of this season and how bad the first game went. And I thought it was and it didn't also really didn't matter as much in the end. But I thought it was pretty smart for Bowmel to throw out and retrospective to throw out his Seuss in our first game because if we get made it to game three, you don't want to put a rookie in that situation. No. Yeah. And what did the White Talks do? They put a rookie in that yeah. situation. Yeah. So at the end of the day, ah, he was like to quote the Warriors podcast, the Warriors World podcast, light years ahead. That is, yeah, so, yeah. I, I don't know if that was his intention, but that I, I is, think if he, that is, he just outcoached coached a shit out of Renteria. I,
0: I think he learned from his mistake in Game One. I was telling you this because I was listening on the radio. I was at work, um, so you didn't have that available. I mean, you did have yeah that availability, but you didn't um, kind of didn't. Um, I would listen to the Bo Mel show, so for those A's fans who don't know it, before every single um, game, uh, the A's radio broadcast does the Bo Mel show, which is when Ken Korak interviews Bob Melvin and uh, kind of gets what the keys to the game are. So he admitted before Game 2 that um, Jesus Lazardo's struggles in Game 1 was not on Lazardo. It was on the strategy and the game plan going against the White Sox in that game. So Bo- Bob Melvin wanted to pitch around Jose Abreu. He didn't want to put him in scenarios where he could, you know, score runs. They wanted to just get him on base or get him, get him, whatever. Just kind of pitch around him, don't give up a big bomb. And what happened? It bit him in the ass. Jesus Lazardo was pitching around Jose Abreu and he fucking knocks a three-run homer. Um, So he admitted that that was his mistake and he didn't want to do that again, especially with such an aggressive um hitting team that that was not the move. So from then on, he was not going to let his pitchers do that. He was going to let his pitchers pitch their game um and decide how they wanted to go about the batting order and whatnot. And it, you know, for him to do that and then to play the bullpen game that he did and he just genius by him, knowing that Renteria only had two lefties available in the bullpen that day. Um So he was going to face a lot of righties, and he purposely benched um, a couple good righties um, just in case they needed to come up in big pinch hit moments and to force Renteria regularly to go through his bullpen. I think it was the third inning um, when they started to get runners on. Jake Lamb was coming up to – or no, it was the fourth inning when they made that run. Jake Lamb – no, maybe it was the third inning. I can't remember. Jake Lamb was coming up to bat and – Renteria uh, had a righty going in and um, in order to force Renteria to, ch- to switch out pitchers, um, he pinch hit um, Chad Pinder in that scenario. Um, so Renteria comes in and he brings out one of his lefties. So he only has one lefty available left in the bullpen, just continuously forcing the issue. And again, like what you said, our bullpen stepped up the plate, came and they didn't really walk that many guys. They delivered pitches in their spots when they needed to. Renteria's bullpen was not doing that. It felt like every single time they brought in a guy, he was walking like two dudes. And it was just like it was not being productive. And And that's what a good, strong bullpen does for you in the postseason. When you need them, they're there for you, and they, they they step up to the plate. The White Sox did not have that. He could not rely on his guys coming in to pitch because they every single one was giving up two walks.
1: Yeah, I think there was something uh, the. White Sox bullpen pitched yesterday, Thursday's game, something like 140 – or the team as a whole pitched like 145 pitches. Jesus. Which is not great. And one of the strategies I remember talking about when we recorded our preview pod this past week was, again, this team is – the White Sox hitting is aggressive as shit. We saw Tim Mm -hmm. Anderson. I'm just so glad – I don't have to see Tim Anderson. I know, dude. He set the record for the most hits ever in a three-game series. Yeah. In the play, like that. God damn, that team's gonna be terrifying. Give yeah. him like another year or two. Next once. five years,
0: they're gonna be regularly in the playoffs for sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, but they, they played him exactly how we wanted to play them, which is like they're aggressive as shit. They're willing to swing at everything. They only—I don't have the stats in front of me—but they only walked a handful of times. Um, they you can just tell how aggressive Tim Anderson was and that benefit for him. And I think one of the things too, is I don't think we really expected the bottom half of the lineup to really kill us Mm. outside of what angle did in game one. If I remember right, Uh, that bottom half, once you got past whoever was in the five hole, which was Mm -hmm. like usually like Moncada, um, they Roberts, uh, Mazzara,
0: Gold, Madrigal. Yeah, they were – I mean, Mazar had two hits, but the rest Luis of them – Luis Roberts did the home run yesterday, but, yeah. and
1: then he had another hit. But I think for most of the part, they kind of did their job and handled them. Mm-hmm. We also have to acknowledge, too, because this is a part of any playoff run for any team in every sport, is not only do you have to be good, you have to catch some luck. So the fact mm-hmm. that um, Eloy Jimenez left the game and yeah. then uh, the rookie – reliever uh, Grichik, I think I talked about him last week as well. Him leaving the game after throwing, it, yeah. having like one or two at bats. He
0: had two strikeouts too.
1: Yeah. So hu- two huge bullets dodge there. And again, mm-hmm. if it's the part of the postseason in every sport, is just some dumb luck that it happens. And those two of those guys, after Eloy hit a double and, and I think he scored or caught, a, got an RBI out of it. It's, luck so thank god that happened
0: yeah dude and I just want to say it wasn't just the usual like star-studded end of the bullpen that stepped up yesterday obviously Soria Diekman and Hendricks all did well but I mean Montaz yes he gave up a run but he pitched two great innings and he got into trouble and he got out uh when Delkin was phenomenal pitched one inning no hits no walks no strikeouts but it's just great um Travino pitched amazing. Petit gave up the two um runs, but um, you know, like he kinda came in second inning and into trouble. That was just kinda that's Bob Melvin's go to guy. You gotta have to like he, he you know, he's he's working out of a shitty scenario. But that was um that was fucking tight. Also, another moment I want to bring up, another I told you so for me, once again, Chris was right. Um, when we adjust the lineup to um putting the hot hitters at the top of the lineup, they deliver. Tommy Lostello. One for three, two runs, uh, one walk.
1: This was yesterday?
0: Yeah. Marcus yeah. Simeon, uh, two for four, one run, uh, one walk. Jake Lamp, not so great, but Chad Pender, three for two, two runs, two RBIs. Oh, Mark two Hanna, for two for three, sorry. Yeah. Mark Hanna, one for four with a walk. I mean, it, and then Matt Olson didn't have a hit. He was 0 for three. He had I that big he walk. I think you got a hit, the whole, gotta hit it, the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, Sean Murphy was 1 for 2 with the obviously the big home run. He probably should have been hitting 5th instead and it would have been a different scenario. But you know, Bob Melvin finally put the hot hitters at the top of the lineup and it fucking paid off. It fucking paid off when we needed to.
1: And something really kind of stood out too is our bottom 3 of the lineup, I think going forward into this next series, they're just as strong as the top 3 and that's yeah. something that uh, obviously you're going to see you know with like a team like the Yankees uh, and Astros have a pretty solid lineup race there's a pretty good argument that like the A's bottom three hitters are probably just as good as if not better than most of those teams bottom three
0: and can we also make a note that Chris Davis has having a huge comeback right now yeah. and he's hitting better than the, the kind of only star of our team left um, Matt Olson like that's when we need him, he's there, and that's huge. That's huge for us moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's he got that home run, and even okay, so even though Ollie's bat isn't there, and yeah, if they got him moving down the lineup further. Hit him to the sixth hole for this next series. Even mm-hmm. with because if he hits, then great. Here's your reward. You move up a little bit. We be successful. But he was outside of the dropped ball that he had uh, yesterday. He was again elite at first yeah he's playing excellent deep yeah. what's what else do we really expect he's going to win another gold glove he's won two before yeah uh he's been a, was an elite defender and he was a huge game changer for a couple of those like plays he made out there so that's what makes somebody like him so special as frustrated as we are with how he's hitting we know how much power he brings we saw what he did during the regular season even if the average wasn't there to know that like that guy's going to anchor your infield, and if anybody, especially with having a replacement player at third for Chappie, you know you got somebody at first that's going to bail you out.
0: And look, I'm not calling for his head. I don't want him to be benched. I just don't want him to be hitting in scenarios where there's three men on and he strikes out or flies out. Like I just don't want him in those scenarios. So move him down the lineup where he doesn't have to f- get these big at bats when he's over. 12 um yeah. he doesn't have to get get a hit in these big at bats but there's a lot of pressure on him like let's ease the pressure on him let's get him a rhythm going and maybe if he gets some momentum we can move him up uh, especially Absolutely. when guys like murphy are delivering in big spots and they're hitting ninth like i don't know um so how does it feel to finally win a postseason uh series after all this time Julio
1: i was a senior in high school when they won against the twins actually i think we talked about this before i was yeah. at game three and um i i think the biggest thing was like i remember just being like we're going to the world series like fuck the tigers screw you mm-hmm. kenny rogers and then we got swept um, yeah so i obviously i'm very excited uh it was pretty surreal yesterday mm-hmm. but at the end of the day and yes we have a fantastic record against Houston this year and Houston had a losing dominating record. dominating yes uh, there are some things that were in our favor like playing I think there was 10 games against Houston uh, mm-hmm. eight of those games were at home so yeah take it with a grain of salt I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves because that's what we should try to do so I think very excited bring it to this moment we have the weekend to really talk about it celebrate it but uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet,
0: I just feel like a big weight's been lifted off of, absolutely of our sh- of my shoulders, and it's just like I I was just I I, I think the reason why I was freaking out after they scored those runs in the first inning yesterday was just like oh god here we go just more like media bullshit. The A's are now 0 and 10 in game deciding series, and, and more Giants fans talking shit. You guys can't even win a world. You guys can't even win a playoff series. Just like, I don't know. I it's just like things like that, and it's just I feel like like that's just fucking done now. Thank God. Like, I, and I don't I don't have to listen to it, and I can just be excited for nice background change. I can just be excited for you know the playoffs moving forward, and not have to like feel um the, that pressure as much it's just, just still still going to be very stressful but not as much can i bring yeah, up you, one point about yeah. like, just the playoffs in general yeah so we i know we were saying all season because the astros are barely a under 500 team that made the playoffs um the um mariners didn't play so well even though they were in playoff contention a little bit towards the end they did not play so well this year uh same with the rangers same with the astros um, I know we kind of said like middle of the season, like maybe the AL West just sucks. I think this proves that I, the AL Central sucks, and the AL West. I guess we just didn't get to see the sample size. Maybe we're just a lot better than we thought, and we're just beating up on each other because all three AL Central teams lost in the first round, all three of them. Like that's pretty wild. I know that the the Twins have their record of their like Owen like Holy crap in, like, yeah. in playoff games, that's but like but like to have all three of them not make it through like and 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 two of them be be swept like that's pretty crazy that's the pretty fact crazy.
1: that you have the you have the Cy Young winner in the AL Central with yeah. Bieber you have probably the two man race for MVP with the Brayu and Jose Ramirez yeah. in the AL Central and none of them advanced. and that was something we brought up it's like yeah we played bad teams we played with the Mariners and the Angels and and uh and the rangers but like royals or tigers are just as bad if not worse and it it, it showed um but it, there's a couple things not to give too much excuses for these other teams um something we didn't even talk about it because i feel like this it should have been a bigger story and maybe it was swept under the rug that i didn't realize that terry francona hasn't been the acting manager since august
0: uh, oh, I didn't know yeah, that he's, either.
1: He's had some health concerns. So Terry. And with COVID uh, too? I, oh, yeah. Yeah. I doubt he listens. Uh, but, yeah. you know, best of wishes out there. So Sandy Alomar was taking over. So there were some decisions that happened during those games that, like, uh, a veteran manager would have known better. But because you do not have that there. Uh, Rick Rantria, uh, this is also his first year. He had previous coaching yeah. experience, but nothing in the postseason. And then the Twins are just, there's a curse. I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah. So, so with the Indians are concerning because like they didn't really score any runs. That's that's the, and here's the thing. Like when it comes down to managerial decisions, like your offense still has to deliver and they didn't. Um, with the White Sox, yeah, I mean young team. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make a World Series run in the next five years. Yeah. Like they're good. They I like Renteria as manager. His bullpen just didn't show up for him yesterday. It's really that simple. The twins, Absolutely. yeah. I mean, the twins are cursed worse. I thought we were bad. The twins are cursed worse than we are. Like that's a that's a rough stat to and look at. I thought at. my jokes were bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man.
1: Uh, uh, but before we go on to the next stuff, we kind of touch on it for a second. But let's let's rant for at least a couple. Sure. Minutes go ahead. Of this. You can start it off. Holy crap! Was ESPN terrible? Oh my God. Oh my freaking God, almost every Twitter fan that, or A's fan that follows us on Twitter. And I'm just looking through our feed going on Reddit game threads. Uh, we have like a Facebook group of friends from home who are all Ace fans. Oh my God. Did people hate that broadcast. Jessica Mendoza. I don't know how she's still in the booth after how much shit she got from being on baseball tonight on Sundays. Um, it's just constant 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 just undermining and dismissal of this team um as soon as i found out that that was going to be our broadcast deal with jessica mendoza and um dave fleming uh, yeah i muted it and i just synced up the radio broadcast with the tv so i could listen to korak and and fossey i uh i vented with my dreadful i vented with
0: my parents on the phone about this yesterday like I don't, like, I am so fucking tired of Jessica Mendoza. Like, she, it felt like every inning she brought up the fact that we were, we were, uh, we haven't won a game deciding series, a series in a a game deciding game. It was like every fucking inning. They're like, and here, like, here we go. The A's have the struggles again. This is why they haven't won a, won a a game in a a series deciding game. And she's like, oh my God, shut up. Like, just shut up. Like, we get it. We know. You don't have to remind us. Every it, it was like, it almost felt like it was a clear uh, favoritism. Like, she, she wanted to seem, like, right in the media's eyes, like, later on in the day. Like, yeah, you brought it up a lot. Yeah, because, I don't know. It, it just, it, it, it felt very, like, chip on my shoulder type of vibe, but also... You would think that Dave Fleming would have a little bit more love for the A's, and he was doing the same thing. It felt like he was bringing it up when she wasn't bringing it up, and it was driving me crazy. And then, you know, there's not much deep analysis from Jessica Mendoza. She's kind of just like, yeah, you know, Matt Olson, he's a beast, and it's just like, okay, cool. Like, can you break down what's going on in this at bat so that like people like you know us who don't understand pitching that well can kind of get a, a, a understanding of it? It's just. I don't know, man. It was driving me crazy. She was constantly hating on us the entire series. She was deep throating. You know what? Maybe that's a bad word to use since she's a woman, so I'm not going to use it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I apologize for using that phrase. But she was all over favoring favoring the White Sox the the entire time, the entire series, um, and just like talking about how great they're going to be in the future, even when like they were losing in the ninth inning, like she was just talking about how great the white Sox are going to be going forward and not about like how great this win was today. It's just, Oh my God. I just, I wanted to like my, my mom, my mom went on a rant too. She was so frustrated by it, but luckily, <laughs> luckily moving forward, we are going to be on TBS. So we're going to have two of the greatest of all times, Brian Anderson, Ron darling, darling, amazing, uh, duo for national broadcast. So we don't have to listen to that bullshit. Anymore.
1: Um, and it's honestly, and, and nothing like, personally against her is despite her shitting on our team because like she's a she knows her shit when it actually comes to baseball stuff because she's been an olympian she's an olympian she's worked in front offices but she's just it just shows you just because you know your stuff you it's so hard to do in the broadcast booth this is the same problem with like a rod who a rod when he's in studio on tbs fantastic we Mm -hmm. know how smart of a baseball player he is he he just he's still struggling in the booth and i think that's also a huge espn problem too because i think we talked we talked about this in the past i don't remember this on air or whatever uh nba they got it long block with mm-hmm. doris Burke, um stan van gundy mike brain mark Jeff jackson go f yourself fantastic play call monday night football they're starting to get together it's in the infancy and plus they got a really good like nfl live um like thing going on with their new crew. Shout out to my homegirl girl, Mina Kimes. Uh, and then
0: college football, they got Kirk Kirk Street and Chris Fowler who've been together for 20 plus years and exactly. do a phenomenal like they job, get job. Yeah. How
1: hard is it to get it with baseball? They're doing it right with Matt Vaskersen, but then of course you're putting him on the primetime games when we know the Dodgers are going to kick the crap out of the white, the Brewers and they yeah. did. And this is uh, one last thing before we go on to talk about more stuff and all these things. Don't interview the goddamn players in a playoff series. So stupid. I know players will agree to do it because they want to be able to put their face out there and their agents will probably push them. And they want to 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 be a a good sport, too. Yes, absolutely. What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Don't do it.
0: So stupid. So stupid. Like, like. I understand like a regular season, like the first game of the regular season or in the all-star game, but during a playoff game, like get the fuck out of here, dude. Like let these guys play baseball. That shit drove me crazy yesterday.
1: And then what happens? Ramon drops an F bomb on air. And then you guys are going to get in trouble. (laughs) Don't do it. And manager Dave Roberts came out and he told his players like, don't do it. If they ask you, don't do it. Yeah. It's stupid. I hate it. Uh, Multiple media members were for the A's were just saying how much they hate it. Susan Slessor was a, Huge like proponent against it. She was even, um, I know Chris got kind of mad. He's like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Yesterday, but if you go back, you're uh, talking, I mean, you're
0: telling me this in the most stressful innings of the game. Yeah, I just didn't want to hear it.
1: (laughs) Now that it's a little less, you should go back and check it out. But her and Brian Olney were going at it on Twitter, Buster or Buster Olney. I'm sorry. He was saying, like, oh, usually we only get like 20%, 15% of the people to do it. And I was like why are you asking in the first place yeah. have them talk in the dugout yeah. have them anything that's not on the pl- like during the season during uh, spring training hell yeah I think it's awesome but don't do it during these high pressure situations it's
0: it's not even that <sighs> interesting in the first place they don't really talk much they're obviously focusing on what's going on in the game like it's, like Laureano was just like yeah man it's uh it's it's good <laughs> you know like, like <laughs> you know like you like you're not going to get much out of it it's completely pointless
1: here's a better idea don't do it to the team that's losing yeah
0: yeah yeah and i just want to touch on the Jessica knows stuff yeah honestly she's great in studio i love like when she comes on like svp uh sports center and she like does her little hits and talks about the game but in in the game it's just bad and i just fucking hate it um all right julio so um how do you feel about the rest of the postseason moving forward with this team? Are you confident? Are you iffy? What's going on?
1: Again, never get ahead of yourselves with this team. We've been heartbroken before. Something I thought about last night, though. And obviously, I, we should feel pretty solid because we t- dominated the Astros this season. Having it on a neutral site, and we'll talk a little bit more about that series later. Yeah. Um, having a neutral site is going to be a, kind of a Interesting, but like you have to feel good because of how much you dominated. And they, I know the Astros are trying to say they, oh, we have a chip on our shoulder. We are I'm like, dude, shut up. But no Liam one, Hendricks no one feels
0: bad for them, and no knows, one's gonna agree like, with them. So Carlos yeah. Correa should just stop talking.
1: Yeah, um, and the whole country is rooting for the A's, and it's gonna be great. Yeah. But Liam came out his post game yesterday. He's like, yeah, we're ready to prove we're the best team. We were the best team in the AL West all year. We ready mm-hmm. to show it. But the one thing uh, kind of hit me last night in a regular season um, around, you know, A's are notorious, slow starters. It wasn't a, a, a thing this year. They actually start off pretty well. And then they hit their lull kind of in the middle and kind of struggle towards the end of the series. Yeah. Usually around June. They start really clicking and they start mm-hmm. figuring it out. So about two and a half months into the season roughly Mm -hmm. if this were if you were to put you know line up the months whatever this is roughly two and a half months into a standard regular season yeah um so I don't want again not gonna get ahead of ourselves, but if they start really clicking now it's like some of these guys are just starting to figure out Marcus was terrible in the regular season he was a stud this whole postseason. This whole three-game series, he had a yeah. huge bomb on this game too. He came um, up in
0: big moments, which is what you want your your like leader, your captain, your team to do too.
1: Yeah, Sean Murphy, holy crap! That uh, there's not much more we can say about him. Mark Hanna uh, was getting on base. He wasn't doing a huge stuff at the bat, but gigantic plays in the outfield. Mm-hmm. St. Tomulus, we could just go on and on, but I could. I'm knocking on, knock on wood if you're with me. Um, I could see them fucking making a run, man. Because this is the yeah. around the time where guys really get it.
0: We got a really favorable matchup. I'm pretty confident. Uh, we dominated the Astros all season, even when they were healthy. So I'm not too worried about it. And, you know, I guess you could say don't count your chickens too early. But, like, I don't know. I just – I. I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep the Astros. That's how confident I am. I just uh, there's nothing about that team that that scares me, and I think again with the three AL Central teams being bounced out the first round, I think that was proof that that uh, the AL West is just better than the AL Central. That's why we dominated. That it's not an Im- I don't think it's an impressive look on the Astros. Like oh wow, well the Astros are a lot better than we thought. No, I think they're about what we thought, but I think just the AL Central is a lot worse than we thought. I think that's really what it comes down to. And so likely first. it's going to be. What? Sorry.
1: And the twins are cursed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like they built that, they probably built that stadium on like an Indian burial ground. Yeah, probably. Without realizing it, it's like poltergeist in that target field.
0: Um. So I yeah, I'm pretty confident. I mean, I would assume it's going to be the same rotation in that series moving forward. Maybe Manaya pitches Game Three instead of Fires, but I would assume we see Lazardo one and Bassett two. I know Bassett had a really good game, but I don't know if the rest, the amount of days of rest, line up well for him. They probably do. It's not till Monday. Yeah,
1: I I think you're going to probably be able to have a full like reset on your rotation of how you wanted to set up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so maybe he goes one, and then and then Lazardo goes two. I know, like, I was listening to the post-game show with Chris Townsend yesterday, who he put together an amazing show, by the way. I love how... Townie! I love how uh, um, uh, vulnerable he is and admitting how stressful he was. He said that his wife was driving... Uh, he was driving his wife crazy because he was pacing around the, his living room the entire day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he was saying like it, no question he would go Bass at game one, which I agree. I mean if if it lines up then why not? And then you go Lizardo two, and then Mania three. Hopefully and then Fires four. That'd be pretty nice. Um, but um, yeah, I mean who they got Grinky like we're good. And also apparently uh, also what Townie was saying that they ran through their bullpen um, a lot in the first game, um, and then hardly at all the second game. Um, And because they finished a day before us, that's like a lot of days rest for their bullpen. So they might be a little bit rusty. Um, So look out for that. And especially with the A's who have the best, um, who are the best hitters against bullpens in the entire league this season. Um, They're very big on getting runs late in games. So that could be something beneficial for us. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm confident it's the series after that, those opponents that I would be worried about, but we'll, we'll touch on that. If, we get there fingers crossed yeah. if we get to that point next week
1: and um, we alluded to it earlier but we're planning on doing a full series breakdown on a later episode this is going to be a shorter one we're probably maybe like 35 40 minutes yeah roughly and then uh um, we'll record
0: something sunday night or something like that for you guys for monday
1: yeah after we watch the raiders get blown out by josh allen
0: it's not gonna happen it's, it's not gonna happen. Raiders, uh, we'll we'll see what's missing.
1: Your top two receivers, but, anyways, yeah, uh, very exciting. I think I'm so glad we just have the weekend just to kind of decompress and just not. At feel the same
0: time, I really want to watch playoff baseball. Baseball this weekend, but no, you're right. I mean, it'll it'll be cool. My parents are coming to town next week, so I hope that uh, we can go watch the game somewhere.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh well. Um, L. A. Bars are our breweries are reopening. So find a brewery that's going to be doing like outdoor seating yeah, with be TVs. Cool. And there you go. Yeah. All um, right.
0: Well, I think that's going to do it. Unless you have oh, any no, last no, thoughts. No, no,
1: not yet. We got one last thing. Oh yeah. Who is your series MVP?
0: That's right. I forgot about that. Um. So this is a tough one for me and I want to say Sean Murphy. um, But I really want to pick someone from the bullpen because the bullpen was just so, important in this entire series so I'm gonna go with Jake Diekman. he came in in big moments you and he bitch. he sorry, did i take yours yeah. um he came in in such crucial moments and he came in um with the pitcher before him in trouble like with runners-on and he gets out of it i think he gave up one run in game two that wasn't earned though um oh no no he he actually got out of that scenario um, he was just so good. He was so lights out. Something else I looked up, Julio, um, on his contract, he's locked up until 2022. So if they don't re-sign Liam Hendricks in the offseason, I mean, he's probably going to be our closer next season now that I think about it. Um, so it, for me, it's Jake Diegman. He was, he was just so big. And I'd like to pick the bullpen as a, and I just would like to just mention the bullpen as a whole, um, just doing a great job.
1: Yeah, they're r- really show that, like, that's our strength. Trevino had like was struggling a little bit location wise and uh uh Montas was kind of losing it a little bit, but as a whole, they were as good as advertised on paper. Uh I I, I kinda wanted to pick Sean Murphy too. Uh I he's going to you know what? Yeah, screw it. I'm picking Sean Murphy. I was yeah, gonna let's go give Marcus. Him some love. Yeah, I was going to go Marcus. Uh, he had a huge game yesterday, went two for four. He had the two-run bomb on Wednesday as well. But uh, Sean caught all three games. Yeah. And that's pretty big for the sake of most of this season. He's been a part of uh, a rotation in between when it was him and Austin Allen and him and Jonah Heim. The fact that he caught all three games, pretty fantastic. Uh, he went one for three on... Tuesday, he also had another, another one for three game on Wednesday, and then yesterday, of course, huge momentous bomb. Uh, he went, he uh, he went one for two, but he also had a walk.
0: Do you want to hear his series stats? Yeah. So he was three for, for eight, like you said. Three. Uh, he he came. He scored three runs. Drove in two. Three seventy five batting average. Um. 500 on base percentage. So half the time he was, half the time he had an at bat, he was on base. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that's pretty cool because like, he it's, walked ones and, um, and, and 1.25 OPS. So he stepped up, he stepped up big. Stepped up he's big.
1: starting to become so much more comfortable with this rotation for guys that are not Lazardo, too. He's really, really, really coming in. Yeah. Uh, Chris yesterday was texting me. He's like, hey, if Marcus leaves, I think this is my favorite player now. He is.
0: I'm going to get a Kelly Green jersey. If if Marcus leaves and I'm not able to get a Marcus Simeon Kelly Green jersey, I'm getting a Sean Murphy one. 100%. And uh,
1: I was I was talking with my brothers yesterday, and I, was like, and I was like, you know, when we recorded this podcast a while back and I was talking about Sean Murphy, I was kind of like, oh, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes on, like, a Buster Posey-style run. And my brother's like, no way, dude. He's like Buster Posey's a Hall of Famer. I'm like, no, I know you're right. Sean's gonna be better.
0: <laughs> I don't. I'm not uh, quite. I'm not quite there yet. But uh, <laughs> but that would I be will cool. I'll forget.
1: Homeboy's big. That is a big boy behind the plate. Yeah, he's
0: he's tall, dude. He's uh. Let's see. I got it right here. He's eight. Sixty two thirty.
1: It's pretty insane because I feel like growing up, uh, we always thought of catchers as these like short, stocky dudes. Yeah, because the some, great
0: the great ba- Hambino from from S- Santa. Yeah. I always thought catcher had to be fat because of that.
1: Yeah, but it's it wasn't until something happened. I don't know who was really the trendsetter with it, and then I think like Pudge, a little bit shorter too. Yeah. Um, but we just started seeing these like dudes who are like six five, and for example, uh, he doesn't play pro baseball, but one of my best friends from home, Riley Hayes. Yeah. He was a catcher. Dude. Homeboy yeah. six so five. There's something happened where they're like you're big you're gonna be our catcher yeah
0: yeah yeah um all right cool man so uh that's gonna do it for this episode uh we'll, we'll be hopefully back uh oh, we will be back this uh end of this weekend with um an astros series preview again another short episode but just something for you guys to mull over so you have some stats going into that um all right cool yo we'll talk to you all this weekend and last but not least
1: let's go oakland Ooh, they did it the monkey's on the back let's keep going is over
0: Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork thank you so much for listening everybody please tune in next week please subscribe and last but not least as we always say let's go oakland